privilege of leading us in parent-child dedications. Every couple of months, we gather together as a community to give parents the opportunity to dedicate their children unto the Lord. But I want to challenge you parents who are here to dedicate your children unto the Lord to also make a decision right now to dedicate yourselves unto the Lord. We get this practice of parent-child dedications from a story of a lady in the Bible. Her name was Hannah, and she wanted to have a child. But up until that point, she had been barren, and so what she did is she went to the house of God, and she said, God, if you will give me a son, I promise that I'll commit him to you. And God heard her prayer, and he honored her prayer. And so she had a son, and at the appropriate time, she took him to the house of God, and she dedicated him unto the Lord. And that's where we get the practice of dedicating our children unto the Lord. But what strikes me about her story was that even before she dedicated her child unto the Lord, she dedicated herself unto the Lord. She said, God, I'm willing to align myself with you. And God honored that. And so today, as you're dedicating your children to the Lord, I want to invite you to dedicate yourself unto the Lord. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about something that I noticed recently. I happened to be out with my family, and I noticed that often parents, we actually view our kids a little differently than we do other people's kids. Have you ever heard you say this to other people about their kids? You may say, your kid is so vocal. But when it's your kid, you say, oh, he's just yelling. Your kid is cautious. But you say, my kid is afraid of everything. Your kid is meticulous. My kid is OCD. Your kid, she takes her time. My kid is a slowpoke. Your kid is determined. Mine is stubborn. Your kid is creative. My kid is messy. Your kid is a free spirit. My kid is just a hot mess. Your kid is so adventurous. My kid is just trying to hurt themselves. And finally, your kid is so independent. And you say, my kid is cruising for a bruising. Often what happens is we only see the challenges in our own family and we get frustrated. Parenting can be frustrating, right? It can be frustrating. But I want to remind you that kids are like diamonds. They all start in the rough. And what you have to do is you have to chip away the rough edges in order for them to shine. And I just want to encourage you parents who are right in the throes of parenting, be willing to keep chipping off the rough edges because soon they will shine bright in the culture and God wants them to shine for him. So be encouraged even in the midst of the challenges. Today I want to speak on the subject built to last. Built to last. God wants us to have homes and families that are built to last. He just doesn't want our homes to be temporary and to fall apart. He wants them to have integrity and to have structure and to be able to stand the test of time. But it takes us as parents to be intentional about building a home that's built to last. So I want to invite you to join me in Proverbs 20, 
24. I want to invite you to open up your Westover app. Open up your Bible. But before we get into the passage, let me give you a little bit of context about the book of Proverbs. Most of the Proverbs that are written were written by, the name, by, written by a guy by the name of Solomon. And the Bible tells us that he was the wisest man that ever lived. Not only was he a family man, he actually had a very big family. He knew how to build a family, but he also was an architect. He also was someone who built a lot of buildings. And so he has something to say to us, not only about how to build buildings, but also how to build our home. And with that said, I want to invite you to join me. Proverbs 24, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. This is what it says. By wisdom, a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. God wants us to have a home that's built to last. But often when we build our home, when we build our family, we do it on our own. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded by a passage in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 4. It says this, for every house is built by someone. It's talking about you and I. But God is the builder of everything. I don't know about you, but I want the one who's the builder of everything to help me build my family. Because I believe that he has something to say to us about how we can build a family that's built to last. And I hope that today, as you're here with your family and your children, that you would say, God, I want to have a family that is built to last. So with that said, I want to share with you three steps that we can take to have a home and a family that is built to last. Step number one is to build wisely. Verse three says this, by wisdom, a house is built. It takes wisdom to build a home. It takes wisdom to build a building. This building that we're in, it took wisdom. I have a friend of mine, he's an architect, and I've talked to him a little bit about building, and he says, when you build a building, you have to know what you're doing. You have to plan ahead about what you want the building to accomplish. You need to think about its functionality. But while you're building it, you need to make sure that it has strength in the foundation, that it has enough integrity to hold up the walls and the roof, and that the, the building actually serves the intended function. In the same way, God wants us to build our home wisely. But what exactly is wisdom? If I had to distill it for us, wisdom is composed it's a synthesis of three things number one knowledge number two understanding and number three skill it's all about information insight and ability and wisdom brings those different elements together and that's what wisdom is it's being able to not only know what's going on but being able to have foresight and insight into what needs to happen and then being able to have the skill to accomplish it God wants us to build our house, our family, with wisdom. This word in the passage for house not only refers to the building that you live in, but it refers to the family that you lead, the family that you're a part of. God wants us to have a house that's built with wisdom. Fortunately for us, we have a blueprint. It takes a, a blueprint to build a building like this. But you know, the Bible is God's blueprint for the family. This book right here is the foundation of the family. It's the blueprint. This word built, 
means foundation. The Bible is the foundation of the family. He knows exactly what your family could and should look like. There's answers in this Bible about the challenges that you're facing as a parent. Or even if you're a young adult, the challenges that you're facing. Or if you're a business professional, the challenges that you're facing. The Bible is the blueprint for all of the challenges you face. About four years ago, my wife and I, we, we purchased a dresser for my daughter. And it wasn't one of these small, rinky-dink little dressers. It was a deluxe dresser. It was pearl white, just the color that she wants. And when we brought it home, we didn't bring it home assembled. We brought it home in two big boxes. And when we got home, my wife said to me, we need to build it. Now, for those of you who are dating and engaged, I'm going to give you a hint here. When your wife says, we need to build it, what she really means is, you need to build it. So I knew she was telling me that I needed to build it. So I started building it Friday night. I didn't finish. I continued it into Saturday morning. Right about 10, 10.30, I finished the project. And I, I stepped back, and I looked at it, and I was super proud. And so my wife came in, and she says, oh, this looks fantastic. And then as, if any of you know my wife, she looked around the room, and all of a sudden, she noticed something in the corner. It was an extra board and some screws and a dowel. And so she asked me, she said, Jonathan, I have a question for you. Anytime they start with that, you know, it's not a good question. So I knew I was in trouble at that point. She said, did you read the instructions? I said, yes. I skimmed it. She said, you skimmed it. I said, yes, I've got it. I got it handled. And after that proceeded, we proceeded into having this very animated conversation, which resulted in me spending another hour and a half disassembling part of this dresser and installing a shelf that really didn't, wasn't that important. <laughs> but I went ahead and did it because you do certain things to stay married. But if only I would have read the instructions, if I only would have read the blueprints and followed the steps. In life, sometimes what we do is we go through life not focusing on how we should really build our home and how we should build our family. So how do we build wisely in an unwise world? You go back to the blueprint. That's how you do it. And when you go to God's word, what you have to do is you have to go and you have to ask the word of God some questions. Let me give you some examples. As parents, we need to ask the question, what does the Bible have to say about discipline? Well, there's an answer for that. Proverbs 29, 17 says this, discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Parents, we need to discipline our kids. Not punitive, not punish them, not vent our anger at them, but we need to redirect them when they have the wrong attitude, when they have the wrong actions, when they say the wrong things. We need to discipline them, and if we're willing to do that, we will have peace of mind, and it will make our heart glad. Here's another question that we, as parents, 
And just as believers, you need to ask the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about anger? James 1, 19 and 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, I don't think it's arbitrary that he talks to brothers first, okay? He's talking to us. Often we as men, we feel like we have the right to be angry. But this is what James says. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we have our own anger and we let it out, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Growing up, my mom would tell us, she would say, Jonathan, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. She'd often say, you have two ears and one mouth, which means you need to be doing twice as much listening as you are talking. And some of us, we need to pause and not just vent our anger on our kids or our spouse. Another question to ask the Bible is, what does the Bible really want from us as men in the family? Malachi 2 tells us, and I'm going to distill it for, for us today, men, fathers, this is what God requires of us as men in a home. God wants us to be faithful husbands and raise godly offspring. The verse tells us that we need to be faithful to the wife of our youth and to raise godly offspring. That's what God desires from us as fathers and as husbands. That's our mission. When we're willing to build wisely, we will save ourselves and our family from heartache and pain and regret. The second step to having a home and family that's built to last is to understand uniqueness. To understand uniqueness. Verse 3 says this, Through understanding it is established. Through understanding our home and our family is established. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every child is different. If you've got two or more kids, you know that every child is different. And it requires us to have understanding of what they are like in order to establish them. This idea of establishing them means to put them in the right place. You know, when you build a home, every room in the house has a purpose. You have a kitchen, you have bedrooms, you have a dining room. Every room has a specific role and function. I want to suggest to you that every child that you're raising has a specific role and function that comes from the Lord. And it requires us to have insight to know how he wired them so that we can establish them. It requires us not only to see what they are like in the natural, but also to see what they are like in the spiritual. You know, if your child is uncoordinated, like I am, they're probably not going to be the next Emmett Smith. Okay, I hate to burst your bubble. It's not going to happen. If they can't carry a tune, they're not going to be the next Celine Dion. Parents, can I encourage you? You can't put in what God left out. You can't put in what God left out. All you can do is cultivate what God put within them. And I want to suggest to you that whatever God has for them, what he put within them is enough. 
It's our job to knock off the rough edges and help them become all that he intends for them to become. How did he wire your children? What is their personality? What is their temperament? What is their spiritual gifting? You know, God put every child on this earth for a purpose. Every child was put on this earth for a purpose. Every child has a purpose, and God wants us to partner with him to help them discover what their purpose is. That's part of our job as parents is to help them discover that. Each child has a job to do, a role to fill, and a mission to accomplish. So think about one of your children. How are they wired? What are they good at? What are they passionate about? Are they introverted or extroverted? Are they structured or are they a free spirit? Are they task-oriented or people-oriented? Are they analytical or creative? Are they quiet or verbal? Are they collaborative or independent? Whatever God designed them to do, help them discover what the purpose is. Just like you and I, we were put on this purpose, we were put on this planet for a purpose. The children that are sitting right beside you, he has a plan and a purpose for them. And it's our job to discover what that is and understand their uniqueness. So if your son is analytical, good at math, and focused, maybe he should be an engineer or an architect. As a motorist on the road, I want the engineers that build the road to be analytical and focused and really good at math and physics. If your daughter is fearless and always wanting to help others, maybe she'll become a first responder. If your grandson is kind and attentive to people and very verbal, maybe they'll be a, a social worker or a teacher or a counselor. And if your student, your daughter is very argumentative and she fights with you a lot and she's constantly debating you, maybe she's called to be a lawyer. Understand the uniqueness and value and validate the uniqueness that God put within them. If we're willing to do that, they'll become all that God ordained at the beginning of time, and we'll be able to see them flourish, not only in their life, but in the kingdom of God. The third step to having a home that's built to last is to teach relentlessly. Verse 4 says this, Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Each child in your home is like a room. They each have a role and a function. But home is boot camp for life. We need to teach our kids some things. They need to learn some things while they're at home. They need to learn how to be kind. They need to learn how to be responsible. They need to learn how to have character. I think kids need to have chores. I think they need to know how to take care of their room and manage their stuff and put stuff away. They need to know how to iron their clothes and how to wash their clothes and how to put their clothes away. They need to know how to fill up their own gas tank. They need to know how to change a tire. Because home is boot camp for life. Can I encourage you? If you find yourself to have a tendency to be a helicopter parent, you're setting up your kids for failure in life. They need to learn how to fail at home in the small things so when they get out into the real world, they know how to do the right thing the right way. We've got to be willing to let them learn some things. Practical information helps them be functional humans. But spiritual information helps them be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And that is God's plan. He wants them to have 
information about who he is. You know, I was looking at this passage, and I really wanted to understand, because there's a metaphor here. I really wanted to understand, what does this really mean for us as families? The word knowledge in this passage means knowledge of God and his moral laws. The word filled means transformed, and the, the image that's in this word is this idea that you take a plain room and then you stage it. Have you ever seen that in a home where they stage it with, with beautiful adornment and they put things on the wall and great furniture? God wants to adorn the life of your children. But the word that jumps out most is this word rooms. When I looked at it, I felt the tug of God on my heart. I felt the tug. Because this word rooms means the inner room. It means the inner room of the heart. You know, this word room, one of the ways it's translated is the bedchamber of the king. And I thought to myself, God wants the inner room of our kids' hearts to be the place where he resides, where the king of kings and lord of lords resides. And so can I give you, can I take a little bit of liberty here and kind of give you my translation of this verse? Let me read it to you. The inner room of our children's hearts are transformed when they are filled with knowledge of God and his laws. They become priceless treasures that are beautiful and radiant on the inside and out. Parents, can I encourage you to awaken a hunger for God in the hearts of your children? Awaken a hunger when the Bible is the blueprint for life and we build wisely and then we understand that they're wired differently and that he made them uniquely on purpose, with purpose, and for a purpose. And then we're willing to teach them not only about how to do life successfully, but also how to worship the king. We teach them how to lift Jesus up. The Bible tells us that he has etched eternity on the hearts of humanity. And parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, adults, cousins, older students, our job is to awaken in the next generation a hunger and a yearning for Jesus. It requires us to have that burning desire in our own heart for him. He needs to live in our own inner room. But then we can help the next generation discover who God is. And if we do that, we will have homes and families that are built to last. That's what God intends for us. And can I just share with you as your family life pastor, that's the yearning of my heart, is not only that, that God would capture your heart, but that he would capture the hearts of the students and the children that are in your care. That's why we're here, to dedicate ourselves unto the Lord and to dedicate children unto the Lord. And so now it's my privilege for to lead us into our parent-child dedication moment. And so parents, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'm going to call the names of the children that are dedicated tonight. I wanna to invite you, when I call their name, to come up to the front and turn and face the audience. The first child being dedicated today is Matthew Ryan Arcos. 
Cheyenne Casares. Max Alexander Cervantes. Hannah Rose and Michael Jesse Guevara. Jaden James Frias. Isaiah Jacob and Sophia Renee Garza. Go ahead and scoot on in. Jacob, Mateo, and Ricardo Garza. Alfonso Elias Sauceda III. Jackson Hale. Azrael and Freya Lucio. Liliana Rose Martinez. Rodolfo Patrick Moreno IV. Josiah Alexander Pacheco, Aliana Martinez, and Sitlali Martinez. Sela Caroline Ramos. Axel Saavedra. Catherine Elizabeth Sauceda. Nolan Rain Sweeney. Layla Marie Tolliver. And last but not least, Carter White. Now parents, can I invite you to turn and face me? Parents, we are so very proud of you for the step that you're taking today to dedicate your children unto the Lord. The card that you've just received in your hand says congratulations. You're gonna take this card at the end of service, out this doors and to the left to our kids' check-in area, and you're gonna turn this card in for a parent-child dedication kit that we put together for you. And so I wanna take a brief moment and share with you what we've put together for you to commemorate this moment. First, we have a certificate that just commemorates this moment that on this day, your child was dedicated unto the Lord. The next item that we have for you is probably the most important item, is we have an age-specific Bible. Depending on the age of your child, we have a Bible for them. And we want to communicate to them is that the Bible is the foundation of life. It is the blueprint for life. And so we're communicating that to you. And we pray that you'll communicate that to them as well. That the Bible is what's going to lead them forward in life. The next item that I am going to provide to you is 
it's a letter. And this is a letter to your child. And so what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you to take this letter, put it in a safe place, and when they turn 13, I want you to hand this letter to them as part of their present. In this letter, I tell them that on this specific day, you stood at an altar before God and friends and family and everyone here, and you committed them unto the Lord. Also in this letter, I challenge them to fully pursue God with all of their heart, to really chase after him. And I also share with them a verse, Psalm 139, 16, that says in effect that God knew them before they were born. He ordained all the days of their life and that he has a divine purpose for them. Your children, the children that you hold in your hands or the children that are standing right beside you have divine purpose. And I want to encourage you to communicate that to them, that God has divine purpose for them. The last item that I provide to you is a handkerchief. And it has Psalm 139, 16 written on it. The reason I give you a handkerchief is there's going to come a point in time when your kids break your heart. And you're going to have tears. Maybe when they're a teenager or a young adult and they're away from God. And you need something to hold on to to remind you that God saw them before they were born. That he ordained the days of their life and that he is in hot pursuit of them. And that he wants them to discover their divine purpose. This handkerchief is something that you can hold on to to remind you and to carry you through in the difficult moments. Parents, mom, dad, guardian, we're so very proud of you. But for those of you who are step-parents, those of you who are single parents, you really are the superheroes. And so if there are single parents or step-parents here, we honor you. You deserve our full honor. You really are the heroes. God has a plan and a purpose for you. You deserve to lead your family. So parents, at this time, at this time we're gonna dedicate ourselves and our children to the Lord. And so with that said, I'm gonna invite the audience to stand. And as you stand, audience, would you partner with us and extend your hands to these children and these parents? We're gonna go to the Lord. And parents, as I pray, I'm gonna invite you as we pray for your children, that you would name your children out loud before the Lord. But let's start by dedicating ourselves unto God. God, we stand here as parents to dedicate ourselves first and foremost to you. We're following the example of Hannah who stood before you in a moment and said, God, I promise that I'm gonna do everything I can to help my children know who you are. And so parents, I just encourage you to say that prayer in your own heart. God, help us raise our children to know who you are. And God, I pray for every child that's here, every student that's here. God, that at a very young age that they would have a hunger for you and that at a young age they would decide to make you Lord and Savior of their life. And that at a tender age that they would have a hunger and a thirst for your presence to pursue the Holy Spirit in a meaningful way. And God, as they grow up, that you would guide them as they go through school. 
Give them wisdom and insight and knowledge. Help them grow in wisdom and stature. And God, bring people into their life, teachers and friends who can encourage them, friends that love Jesus. And God, when they step into middle school and high school, that they would begin to discover the purpose that you have for them. God, that you would whisper to them about why they're here and the mission you have prepared for them. And God, as they graduate from high school, as they step out into the workforce or into the military or into college, that you would order their steps, that you would guide them as they step forward. And then as they step into the workplace and as they begin to develop relationships, that God, that they would find a spouse that loves you more and more than even they can. God, I pray, Lord, that if you then ordain for them children, that they would come full circle and come to an altar just like this and choose to commit their children unto you. I pray, Lord, that you would accomplish it, that you would establish it, that you would give these parents wisdom and understanding and knowledge to be able to lead their families. God, we entrust these children to you. You gave them to us, but we give them back to you. And we say, God, they belong to you. We say all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Congratulations, parents. We're so very proud of you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you, and we are dismissed. <laughs>